Once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now. We creatures have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires and witches, hiding in plain sight, fearful of discovery, ill at ease even with each other. Once again, to a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires podcast, a weekly podcast on the television series A Discovery of Witches, which can be found in the United States on the channel Shutter, among other channels such as I think AMC as well, and it is also available in the UK uh, with various stations too. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. And in the state of Missouri? Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going, sir? Oh, doing all right. We're getting a lot more snow in Missouri than we normally get this time of year, but considering the fact that it's single digits, uh, the snow comes down and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. We got uh, about two feet up here in New Hampshire, and we got a big ice storm coming tomorrow. So uh, I don't feel pity for you. My oh, family I, is in I, Dallas, I, I, and they're they're hey. getting just the same type of weather as Kevin, and they're they have power outages because they were doing rolling blackouts and stuff. They don't have enough power. Right. Well, some of the windmills are freezing, and that's yeah. kind of where our electricity is being generated. So, yeah. <laughs> rougher than we are i'm not complaining i mean i'm enjoying fire in the fireplace and i mean i grew up in the northeast i mean if you want to i mean this reminds me a lot like the movie uh we are we we are still here um and actually that movie was shot about 45 minutes south from where i live where i used to live so uh yeah i'm kind of used to this weather where most of my neighbors are not Yes, yes, because you're a Northeaster, just like myself. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, who are we for folks who have stumbled upon us? Uh, again, uh, the podcast is The Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires. And uh, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network. So that's www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, wherever podcasts are found is where you can find us. Uh, basically, the darkdiscussions.com news network is a website that has columns, reviews, podcasts, uh, release notices, interviews, all sorts of stuff. So if you're a fan of genre, uh, it is a website you should probably check out daily because it is updated constantly with new uh, columns and whatnot. Uh, so far this this month, we're just about to start 
a horror in high heels the interview of woman in horror month uh so we have a bunch of written review or i should say written interviews uh, starting tomorrow and so people should come and check that out uh also we have some new podcasts on the network including uh slumber party massacre podcast which is a all female podcast uh, for uh, women who talk about horror and whatnot. So a lot of good stuff going on over on the dark discussions news network. And you can email us at dark discussions at com, or uh, go to darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us link and fill out the form and they'll send it to us just like an email. And if you uh, want to comment about a discovery of witches and television show and whatnot, because there is some big news that we're going to talk about in a moment before we even get into our episode, uh, please email us and we will read your email on the podcast. Uh, oddly, uh, we haven't had any emails yet really for this podcast and yet it is pulling in like 2,500 to 3,000 uh, listeners, so it's it's a pretty popular podcast, and not one of you uh, has taken the time to email us, which is incredible. Uh, but either way, uh, you follow us on Twitter at Dark Discussion One. Follow us on Facebook at Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook Group, where you can join in the discussion, uh, all things genre, and uh, you can also uh, support us on Patreon because uh, the website is all f- funded by. Um, uh, basically uh, myself as well as anybody that's kind enough to donate to uh, the website. Uh, and there's a link right on darkdiscussions.com with a Patreon uh, button. Um, all right, I think we can get into uh, some information tonight. Uh, the first big news, um, there's a couple of the actors in the show, including the guy that plays uh, uh, Glass Gow. What's his name, Glass? Glass, Glass Gow. Yeah, Glasgow. Um, Gallo Glass, Gallo Glass. Gallo Glass, that's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen Cree, uh, he's the actor. But even more important than him is uh, Teresa Palmer uh, has come out and said uh, they just wrapped up season three. It's coming out most likely in 2022, uh, Q1. And uh, she mentioned, and this is her quote, and uh, I got it right here. It's right from her uh, Twitter account. Um, the end of an era. Since 2017, I have had the great privilege and pleasure of embodying Diana Bishop of A Discovery of Witches. Say, I say goodbye to this powerhouse of a character as we rolled on our last shot of the last season of this trilogy. On to the next adventure with full hearts we go. Uh, and it has been announced that there will only be three seasons of the show. So uh, that was our breaking news this past week. Um, a couple of things about that. Uh, there's uh, three books of the All Souls trilogy, um, and each season is going to be based off of a book. So book one was season one, book two is right now, and book three is the one that they just wrapped up. There is a, a fourth book that uh, Deborah Harkness wrote, um, and that one is called uh, Times Convert, uh, which is a spinoff book starring the Marcus character, um, but um, that has not been uh, optioned um, as part of this show. So uh, just a heads up there. Some people are hoping that will be um, developed too. Uh, anybody have thoughts on on this? Because we've seen a lot of shows or even movies, you know, like the Hobbit movies that came out 
it's one book and they decided to make it into three movies and that was a complete disaster. Uh, we've seen um, one of the Twilight books was broken out into two movies and that was a mistake, I think. Um, and we've seen it happen elsewhere where they try to break books up into multiple seasons or multiple movies, uh, obviously to keep the fan base, if not happy, to at least collect money. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, this? That it's just a three-season show. I'm kind of glad they're keeping it at three. They're going to keep it encapsulated in the books, you know, that are existing. And uh, you know, I'm sure Marcus would love to have his own spinoff. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, the three books covering what's covered for Diana and um, Matthew is good. I think. I think it's a wise choice. Kevin. Uh, I, I echo what Baird said. I think um, try to drag this on and probably try to add material would only mess up the storyline. Uh, this is a I mean, as far as I know, this is a, a successful show. And I mean, one C, I mean, it sounds like per season, it's covering the book so i mean season one is book one season two is book two season three is book three and that's how they should keep it uh to to mess with it would only would only screw up the story yeah that's fair that's fair i mean uh the show even it's getting about 89 percent on rotten tomatoes uh which is pretty damn good uh from uh critics uh but even more impressive uh, is the 8.1 out of 10 that it's receiving on um, IMDb. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Uh, usually yeah. IMDb is like six point something is usually a good rating. So this is like really hitting it out of the ballpark over there. Um, all right, sounds good. So that's the, the big news out of uh, um, TV land related to the show. Um, I guess we can go around and talk about uh, this episode here. This is episode um, six of uh, the t- season two. Uh, February 12th was when it was released in the UK, and February 13th uh, is the release date in the States. Uh, it was directed by uh, Jonathan Tablitsky, uh, Australian guy. Um, and then uh, Pete Mateague, or Mataj, I think it's Mateague, uh, is the screenwriter. Um, and that's can pretty much the, Can you spell the name? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's uh, obviously a Scottish name, but uh, uh, T uh, Mick, M-C-T-I-G-H-E. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Well, actually, M-C, just plain old M-C, could be Irish, too. I have a friend of mine with... Name, last name of Matig, it's M C T I G U E, uh, and he's definitely Irish. Well, Irish descent. Sure, sure. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it could be uh, either of them. You're absolutely right. Um, I'm just assuming it was was British. I mean, Scottish because it, it's a British television show. But you're right; it could have been um, Northern Irish or even someone that just happens to be Irish that joined the cast or, or behind the scenes. Um, I haven't done any research on these people, so I don't know Politsky or McTeague. 
Um, all right, so I guess we can go around and discuss our, our feelings on this episode. Um, so uh, let's start with you, uh, Barrett. I really like this episode. <clears throat> I think it's probably the best episode so far in the show for both seasons. Um, it's really well acted. The cinematography is great. Um, and just it gives you really good feeling watching this episode. It has a really hard emotional punch. Um, it's it's really good. Really, really good episode. All right, very well, uh, yeah, for me, uh, yeah, I would say uh, similar to you, Barrett, I think this may be the best episode of uh, the two seasons so far. Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, I was kind of surprised because uh, um, I wasn't sure going back to um, – um, I, 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 let me rephrase that. Before this – episode my favorite episodes was when they had gone back to uh the modern era um with marcus um but uh now th this episode uh uh surpasses that as, as mentioned so uh yeah big thumbs up uh really good and um hopefully the rest of the season uh keeps it up uh kevin uh well there has not been a dud yet, like I've said before, like I've said in past shows, and this in this particular episode is definitely no exception. Uh, we've seen some very significant character developments here, and uh, we have watched a relationship um, go from somewhat, I wouldn't say... Uh, you know, anim animosity, but definitely, well, the, the relationship between Matthew and Philippe has kind of been on eggshells for a while. And at the end of this, it's not really that they made up, but it's more of their relationship developed. Philippe's character develops. Philippe's relationship with Diana develops. I mean, Philippe comes out and just shows himself to be a fantastic guy. Um, and it's it was a very not no no action, but a lot of extremely good drama. Well, there was a big fight, a little a bit of action. Fight. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good action scene. We'll we'll discuss that. Um. But all right, so uh, yeah, we all enjoyed this episode. Uh, me and Barrett said it was the best of the entire show. Uh, so all in all, uh, uh, yeah, big thumbs up, uh, story writing and whatnot. Um, all right, so let me give uh, this uh, synopsis I found here on uh, Wikipedia. Uh, Wikipedia, as we know, um, is not necessarily a good source uh, because they have fabricated and they have a bunch of other crap on it, too. But this is just a synopsis of a TV show, so it's not news or, or biography or anything. So uh, I'm not too concerned to use it. Uh, and this is what I have to say here is what they say, and that is seeing his wife ring on Diana's finger, Philippe realizes that Isabeau would not have given it to another while he lived. He challenges his son to a sword fight, goading him into revealing how he will die. But Matthew will not relent. 
even when his blood rage is revealed to Diana. Matthew explains to Diana that this is why he held back from mating her. He also confesses that he killed Philippe to end his suffering after he endured months of torture. It uh, doesn't give uh, details, but we'll discuss when we discuss the episode. Diana's strength and power finally become clear to Philippe. He blesses her, making her his blood-sworn daughter, and takes the couple to the goddess Diana's temple to ask for her protection. Finally, he arranges for Matthew and Diana to be married. In the present, Emily and Sarah detect magical vibrations in the library at Septors, where Philippe used to leave hidden messages for Isabel. After searching all night, she discovers his final letter, revealing that Matthew and Deanna are mated. Matthew is finally happy, and Philippe has accepted his fate. So uh, that's just, that's a okay synopsis without giving away specifics. Um, but we'll we'll talk about specifics because we're here not just to review but also to critique. And for folks who are watching the show, they're the type of folks that would be coming here to listen, not just uh, people who uh, are not fans of the show. So we're assuming everybody who's listening to this podcast is a fan of the show and has already watched it, the episode specifically, and wants to hear uh, people's opinions besides their own. Um, all right, so uh, where do we want to start? Uh, what do we want to discuss? Anyone have any specific items they wanted to talk about first? Well, I mean, to start at the beginning, uh, Philippe, Philippe kind of has this one minute he's nice, it seems nice to Diana, and next minute he seems kind of a jerk towards her. But, um, you know, Diana's in the library just kind of going through Philippe's library collection. But then uh, Philippe throws uh, Matthew a sword and they just start fighting because first of all, Philippe said, Philippe wants to know if he's still alive uh, in Matthew's time. Matthew refuses. But then Philippe also wants to show Diana uh, Matthew's blood rage because he pretty much says to, says to her, look, if you're going to be with my son, you got to know the whole truth. All right. So Philippe is pretty much saying Matthew's got blood rage. You got to know this if you're going to be part of my family. And they go into a big fight. And so, yes, there was some action here. Um, and I really had, yeah. I want to break in real quick there and say it was really cool how they showed that fight with them speeding up at certain points and then normal speed at other points. It was really pretty interesting how they yeah. did that fight. It was good effects. You know, it was yeah. good effects, and it was obviously two vampires fighting. And so, and the thing is, is that, you know, that Philippe is not going to kill Matthew. Matthew is not going to kill Philippe, but you know, I think what Matthew was trying, I mean, what Philippe was trying to do more was, uh, really get Matthew's uh, blood rage going. And then at the end, um, you know, we see the blood rage happen, but then Matthew calms it down and pretty much says, I am not going to answer you. I don't, because Matthew is saying anything I tell you could mess up the future. And he's right. Uh, 
that's that's definitely true. But the whole thing is, is that Matthew's like, I'm not going to tell you the future. And as they fight, you know, the the blood rage comes out, but then he quickly gets control of it again and still well, says, what, uh, still what, says, I'm not going to well, tell you. And he and, and well, even Philippe says, you know, well, your conscience uh, has gotten the better of me. Well, what, let's let's talk about the reason the fight occurred. Um, basically, uh, as uh, the little synopsis I mentioned, uh, Philippe sees Isabel's um, basically basically a ring on Diana's finger, um, and and he freaks out because it's a ring that he knows Isabel would never ever have given to anybody um, unless Philippe is dead. And so obviously he freaks out because he suddenly finds out that not only is he going to die sometime in the future, but that also, I guess he comes to the face to face to the fact that he too is mortal. Even if he doesn't die of old age, he too can die um, as, as a person could if, if killed in an accident or something of that note. And the interesting well, part is that fact. that changes, it changes, it has the potential to change the future just by him knowing that. And not but that's true. Given to a witch, you know, which I mean, and he even said, you know, it is forbidden for us to intermarry. And he's sitting there thinking, what on earth is a witch doing with that ring? Uh, well, yeah, and that's a fair point, too, because at this time, as we know, the reason we're not seeing Isabel in 1590, uh, you know, obviously it, it's very uh, helpful for the, the, the plot um, convenience, in a sense, to, to have that happen. But we know she's not there because she's out uh, in various parts of France mass murdering witches. So giving this ring to what he now knows or he he's known from the beginning Deanna or I let me phrase Diana who is a witch that alone I guess shocks him as well as the fact that he knows that his future is therefore mortal um and I and I think that's a good point what you brought up Barrett which is him just knowing that he's going to die because any of them he could have always assumed he was going to die eventually, you know, from an accident or whatever. Right. Um, but it appears that it never occurred to him that that would ever happen. And now that he suddenly knows that that's going to happen, could that change the future uh, later in this series where he isn't dead in 1940, whatever, or, did he know all along, even when he dies in 1940, whatever? Well, and we don't know how time travel works in this because it's it not knowing those rules. It makes it hard to know what could happen. Now, if he could change his future and then they go back to the future and they gain memories they didn't have because of things they changed in the past, then that could be one method. Um, we know that Diana changes the map later on that has to have some consequence. Now, yeah, talk about that, that, that map 
So there's uh, a map okay. where they're there. She's got a map of her future witch hunting. <laughs> and yeah, Diana, Isabel's, Isabel's future. Yeah, Isabel has a, a map. Well, it's in the office of Philippe. And it's he's right, she's but, told but it's, it's, it, but it's she's told it's Isabel's. Right. It's the future map for the next stage of the witch hunt. And it shows all these different locations where witches are located. And Diana does some magic that moves those all around. Right. That's an interesting thing. I didn't know what she was doing. And now you explained exactly what she was doing. She changed the map so it would be invalid when she went out to go hunting witches. And it didn't occur to me what she was doing. So that, and that could have huge consequences. She changed the, the intelligence. She uh, gave yeah. false. She pretty much took the intelligence and made it false intelligence. So he, you know, they'd be essentially doing a wild goose chase. Yeah, falsified the map, basically. Exactly. And and that actually is a good point, too, Barrett, because that now changes the future as well. Assuming the future they were it's living changeable. in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Because, well, that's the thing, right? Is that it already could have been changed. So, in other words, the 2021 right. version that they were living was already based off of the things they're doing now. Or that's not. one thing. So those are the two or it possibilities, could be, right? Yeah, that's that possibility. Or it could be the second possibility, which you mentioned, which is it will actually now change what happens in the future. And, and I it's have possible to... they wouldn't even regain memories of what happened because they were outside the timeline at the time. So they could go back and things will be changed and then be like, holy crap, what has changed here? <laughs> and why? Right. Now, Kevin, what were you going to say? Well, Sorry. I was uh, just going to say, uh, as a side... Um... I, I, one of my position, one of my trades, so I have to admit that map rather intrigued me just because I like old maps. That's all I really had to say about that. Oh, I agree. I like old maps too. It was really cool looking too. Well, it's like, I yeah. remember when I met Phil face to face for the first time and you were asking me, what do I do? I said, I'm a cartographer and Phil didn't know what I was talking about. So I had to say, I'm a cartographer and then Phil got it. <laughs> I'm a wicked um, photographer. I'm a photographer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, but that was part of the uh, the good set design in this episode. Uh, yeah. Was was that map as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, they use some some CGI to get the, the effects to have it move oh, around yeah. and whatnot. But but it looked really damn good. Um, they're light on the CGI to very great effect. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There hasn't well, been really I mean, any there, bad yeah. And it wasn't long after that where Philippe confronts Diana. This was after the fight. And Philippe confronts Diana because, first of all, I mean, Matthew and Diana were upset about Because, I mean, it, the, it, the whole episode starts right after Diana kills uh, that one witch guy. You know, and then Diana later says, you know, I mean, she Diana has to. Well, yeah. no, she doesn't. Uh, yeah, well, she, she, she says it makes her feel powerful, but she well, is no, also be, disgusted with herself, too. Well, yeah, she was disgusted with herself because she had to go out. She's, we find her rowing along the boat. And then when, when Matthew calls, you know, when she comes back, Matthew's thinking it's all about, you know, thinking that he screwed up. And then she's just pretty much saying, you know, I just need time to think because she looked and says, I wanted to kill him. 
you know, I mean, she didn't, and she pretty much says, what kind of person am I becoming? But then, right. um, yeah. And so it was that, that, uh, you know, she was a little afraid of, you know, the type of person she's becoming. And then, uh, of course, and then after the sword fight, you know, uh, and so Matthew and Diana are talking with each other and he confesses that I'm hoping, you know, he's and like, I think I called this last week. Matthew wants the book of life because he's hoping that the book of life will help him cure his uh, blood rage. And Matthew also confesses that he essentially killed vampires with the blood rage. That's how the blood rage was ended, because Matthew killed all the vampires that had the blood rage. And yeah, he so, was an assassin. Yeah, that's yeah. what she says. You became your father's assassin. Right, uh, and he mentions that that when he says he's killed vampires, he's talking. We're talking like in four digits. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's not a small amount. Like a lot. Did he mention like eight thousand or something like that? Something like that. Yeah. And so, so he's he's been a, a mass murderer over the years because who knows when how long he's been alive, just like his father. And and Diana Diana keeps on mentioning it like maybe you know you were um a tool for your father to wipe out the blood rage and and so yeah so i guess he tries to put that in perspective and show her what he is and and sure she killed this person and then the curly-haired vampire in season 1 but in both cases even if she enjoyed doing it because you know you're in the moment and she just has this rage against this evil person that is trying to kill her um she's not i guess him or something she's been defending herself in both of those situations or defending him and so to him that's probably not as wrong as him hunting down blood rage vampires and just killing them outright right and she but she she uh uses you know, takes the tries to take the blame off of him and says it's really your father. That's to blame. And technically, though, it's 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 a good question because if you have these blood rage freaks, do they deserve death without trial? You know, yeah, you know it's. It's a hard. It's like sociopaths. If you could identify sociopaths that are going to be that could possibly be murderers, is it okay to kill them all now before they become murderers? You know, the the big question. You know, if if you knew if you knew Hitler was going to be what he was, and you met him as a little boy, would you kill him? You know, so it's it's one of those type of questions in a sense. Well, and it's interesting because in the first season we get the idea that Philippe fixed the blood rage. We don't have any idea how, but now we know how. His solution was to kill them all. There was no cure. They were killed. And so that's a little more um, serious than, you know, this nice cure that I might have thought he did before then. <laughs> right. Now, if we, if we look at his situation, I guess whether it's warped or not, I guess he's looking at it. We have to wipe them out because if we don't, we're going to be discovered and then killed ourselves by humans or witches or demons or someone else. Never mind my own family. To save my own family, we have to get rid of the blood rage, even if it has to to 
to kill those with the blood rage because otherwise we'll be we're going to get destroyed as well. So I I don't know how to look. I mean, it's it's he's I killed. Don't fault him for it. Yeah, it's basically uh, kill the few to save the the everyone else, I guess. Well, and here's the thing. So there could be there's a problem I can see with it. First of all. But secondly, they are a danger not only to being discovered, but those blood rage vampires could kill other vampires. So they're also a threat in that respect. Now, the problem I can see is that perhaps blood rage is a natural thing, and they, by killing them all, they bred it out, and that could have something to do with their not being able to sire now. That's an extra, excellent point, too. Yeah, yeah. And also, the thing is, is if to get rid of it, it's it's also because they want to live in human society, whether it's because they're outnumbered or whether because human society is better than, you know, some little existence of just a hand, you know, a couple of 10,000 vampires or whatever there is in the entire world. But I think your suggestion makes even more sense, too, which is it also could have prevented the siring because that gene – yeah, they're they're less and less. They're they're more, I guess, more related, more defective because there's less diversity or something. Yeah, they might have bred out the the ability to sire by killing all those rage vampires, and he, he could Matthew could be their hope for the future. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Now there was an, one thing, and this could be a Chekhov's gun in a sense, which is she talks about, "I wish I could sire or have children with you, Matthew, because I want to, you know, have you have your own family, but for you know between us." And then she also mentions that in sixty or seventy years from now, I'll be gone. And you'll still be alive. So I'm wondering if that's a Chekhov's gun that they're going to do like a Twilight where she becomes sired. Yeah, I was wondering that too. Yeah, when that conversation came up, I wondered the exact same thing. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. So uh, that'll be curious. Uh, I hope not, but it's possible. At least in this case, like in Twilight, I felt like... um, the main character was selfish for wanting it. And that's all that she wanted. She didn't really care about anything else. Whereas Diana, I think would only want it to be with him. Right. Right. Yeah. And this love story is similar to the love story from Lord of the Rings, right? Where, uh, Strider marries the elf and then he eventually dies and the elf keeps on living. Well, Uh, technically in the, in the story, the elf would die as well. Yeah. Right. But, but, because but, she but chooses the, the path of the human rather than the elf. Oh, right. She's given the choice on which one, because her father is half elven. She's given a choice of being an elf or a, a human. Right. Okay. I thought it was, she had a choice to lose her immortality, but she just still, but she still would live like 300 more years. The way they talk about it in the movie is different than it's talked about in the books. Yeah, and I read the books, but I, I forget what happened. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Um, all right. So, let's see. What else do we want to discuss? Um, 
oddly, it's 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 another episode that, even though it was exciting and dramatic and all that, it was pretty quote unquote short in a sense because I mean it, there's only like three to four main plot points for the episode, similar to last episode, even though they're two of the better episodes. And you really have three characters interacting, and it's very emotional, and that's what carries this episode. You know, it makes it very quick because of all the emotional ties and everything that's coming together in this episode. Yeah, yeah, because really all it is is, is will Philippe accept Diana, and he also discovers that he has his own immortality i mean his own mortality as well and and then him coming to grips with it and that, that's pretty much the episode and that's it really. well, and i but, love oh, and, you know, go ahead. i was gonna say i love how he says and you're going to be married in two days <laughs> he hasn't asked them at all so his purpose was to bring them together as strongly as possible and then forge that bond and then have them married well, also, it was interesting, too, is that he comes to the conclusion after a while that the only reason Diana has the ring is because Isabel gave it to her as a a, um, a symbol to Philippe to know that she gave approval. Yeah, yeah. You were saying something, Kevin? Well, no, my whole point, yeah, I was going to echo what you said, is that this was kind of uh, Isabeau's way of telling Philippe that she accepts Diana, because there's even a point, like I said, there's a couple points where Philippe is saying, how can Isabeau, the woman who is right now hunting witches, give that ring to a witch? And I can't remember if it was Matthew or Diana said, well, they probably, you know, in time they evolved. You know, in right. time they changed. And then, because I mean, and I just kind of want to do a quick mention. I don't know if it means anything or not. You were talking about, you know, like destroying all the vampires with the blood rage. Because there's something that uh, Philippe said at, at the one point when after, when the fight was done is he is now pure predator. You know, and the thing is, it's like, you know, is it good for, you know, was it all right for them to kill all the vampires or not? But if you think about it, I mean, if you had a dog that was rabid, um, you know, mostly what happens with a dog that is rabid is that they're pretty much sick. They cannot control themselves. They will bite. They will infect others. They will destroy others. They can't be cured. They cannot be cured. So the only thing you could do is put them down. Now, I don't know if that's the case for all of the vampires who had blood rage or not. But the thing is, is that when the guy pretty much describes Matthew as he is now full predator. Now, he probably spared Matthew, one, because he saw him as his own son. But two, maybe he also saw the fact that it also Matthew mentions the sister to um, to Diana saying, you know, I have it. My sister has it. Um and so I don't know if Philippe just spared them because they're his kids or because they were able to control it better. I mean, we really don't know. And I, and like I said, I still think um, 
the sister is the one causing the blood rage deaths in, in present time. But that's that's not even part of this episode. Uh, but so, OK, so with that, um, you know, so that's I mean, I just like that. The kind of the the heart to heart with um, <clears throat> Matthew and Diana about that. And yes, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, and you're going to marry, you know, marry my my daughter. Or, I'm sorry, you're going to marry her in a couple of days. But the thing that I like is there before that. Ha- I think it's before that happens. You know, Matthew is calmed down and he's talking with. Oh, no, before even before even that, uh, Philippe confronts Diana and they have a discussion. And, and we see the, the aura. We see yeah, the aura. we see what looks like little bits of fireworks around her. And it's yeah, even it like she so can't cool. even control it. It's just it happens. And it's like, OK, no, that's pretty cool effects. And Philippe sees it and smiles. He is not afraid, you know, and he talks about the prophecy because he, I mean, the seasons, the whole season started with the prophecy of a powerful witch coming. And when he sees Diana, he also knows about this prophecy. And he even said, and she said something like, I am power or whatever like that. And he pretty much says, yeah, I know. But he smiles. I mean, he is happy. It's almost like it's I don't know what it was, but it's like Diana really won him over past whatever test that Philippe had. And then at the end, after that conversation, you know, Diana and uh, Matthew are sitting uh, you know, on the dock or standing on the dock, like overlooking water or whatever, and, and just talking. And Philippe comes up takes out his dagger cuts his thumb does this little thing with diana like puts the blood on her forehead says you were dead you are now alive you are now my daughter i mean he he just goes from he goes from you're a witch i don't know if i can trust you to you are now my daughter and he just welcomes her with open arms i mean he goes from antagonist to full i am proud to be your father-in-law you know, and he call and he calls her his daughter. I mean, just so, massive, massive change there. And I have to admit, that was that was probably my favorite scene in in this whole episode was that that scene right there. Now, what, what, let's talk about the aura. Um, the question is, was that aura corporal to everybody to see it, or just for Philippe? And I'm thinking it was Philippe. And this is where we get his connection to the goddess Diana uh, from Roman mythology. And I'm thinking, he, he, he since you know we, we learn eventually, based off of a bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about in a little bit, that he's probably been around since ancient Rome and ancient Greece and all that other stuff. So maybe he... It, oh, and, and we know that there's some supernatural being with with um, mythos, not just Christianity in this show now. Maybe he could see the aura because he is kind of, sort of, not really, but kind of a priest for the goddess Diana. And this was like something that was granted to him by Diana to see that, yeah, this is this is the one this is this this is the powerful 
woman of prophecy that's supposed to join your family. What do you guys think? It's kind of hard to say. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, well, as we see, he takes Diana and Philippe to um, to this old ruined. No, but, but before what? we get into that, do you do you think? Why do you think he got to see the aura around Diana? I think it just. I don't think it was just him. I think that it just he kind of brought it out of her you know, with his discussion and all of a sudden it, you know, it came out, but like if Matthew or anybody else had, had entered the room, um, they would have seen it too. You know, I agree. I don't and think... I think she knew it was there. Oh yeah. Interesting. And okay, I don't yeah. think, I don't think, I mean, it, and it was something involuntary, you know, it's not all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to produce this aura. I think it was something that, happened involuntary through her you know you know from their discussion and it was kind of like it was almost like when she uh, that one episode when when she was surrounded by earth fire fire and water and all of a sudden she does that big tree of life you know it was just something that involuntary it just poof here it is it happened igrisol yeah is it igrisol that's how you pronounce it right Steel. Yeah. Um, okay, so all right, because I was curious if this was we were looking through Philippe's perspective, and so he saw it, but if other people were in the room, they wouldn't see it. But you're saying that no, it was there most likely, and everybody could have seen it, even Diana. Um, so that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now that's my feeling too. Interesting. Okay. All right. So Kevin, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the temple of Diana and, and what's going on and, and why they do it. Why, why did he brings her there in the first place? And, and Matthew there too. Well, for that one. well okay. I mean, uh, first of all, I mean, he, so he does the, that blood thing with Diana's head, um, inter, you know, pretty much saying, I now give full approval of Diana, uh, of Diana. You know, he went, like I said, he went from antagonist to full, I'm, you, you are not my daughter. And like I said, that was my favorite scene in, in the whole show. But then he brings her, he brings her and Matthew to this old temple of Diana. And he said, when I was a boy, people brought, you know, their wife, you know, husbands or whatever would bring their wives here for Artemis or Diana's you know, your namesake's approval. And he does this ritual thing on this platform. Um, and the thing is, is at first, he, you know, he's talking about the goddess Diana, uh, which is, uh, is it Greek or, no, it's Greek, I think. No, but, uh, Diana is the, the Roman version and Artemis, Artemis is, is, is the, okay. the Greek name for her. And it's the okay. goddess of the hunt, goddess of the hunt. Right. But the thing is, is that they they put down like money or something like that. And he puts like her hand and his hand and he starts praying in uh, a foreign, a foreign language. But he uses the name Artemis. Okay, so he is now pray. So it sounds like he's praying in ancient Greek uh, and he's talking about Artemis and he's praying to Artemis. And then all of a sudden 
this stag comes up behind them. I mean, this big, beautiful white, whitish stag. And they look back, you know, cause he's, he's keeps on saying diet, you know, this is your namesake. You know, this is the goddess Diana's name, you know, your namesake. And then all of a sudden the stag shows up and he looks at it and says, yeah, Diana, you know, the, the goddess Diana approves of you. Uh, because I, I did some research after that. I mean, very, I Googled it. Um, one of Diana's, well, Diana's favorite animal is a stag. It's a, it's a, there's a couple of things about it, but, um, all in all, Diana's favorite animal is a stag. The stag is kind of Diana's symbol <clears throat> or emblem or something. And so when a stag shows up, that shows this mythical, you know, being approves, you know, that, that something went spiritual happen in Diane, you know, the goddess Diana approves. <laughs> and then it's funny at the end, because we don't even hear Matthew actually, uh, I can't remember how it went, but it said something like, uh, Matthew proposes, you know, kind of like, even though like the wedding was definitely going to happen and all that. And it's, I can't remember how that, that whole dialogue happened, but I think Diana said, well, you know, if you ask nicely, in you know, oh yeah, funny, yeah. yeah, we're going to get married in a couple of days. This as well, if you ask nicely, so he says, Diana, will you marry me? I would love to, or something like that. <laughs> it was, it, it, that, that nice little bit of humor there. Indeed. Indeed. Um, now what's your take on that whole temple scene, Barrett? Um, that she, I mean, well, we know that, Diana and Diana, the goddess and the stag are, you know, in her future because of that piece, that chess piece that she was given. Um, and so this is the approval of their mating. And, um, you know, Philippe has seen the light and is totally on board. And this is like the, the total closing of that idea. I forgot about that chess piece, right? Yeah. Right. So, so then, what what's what's happening then is, um, this the Greek goddess or Roman goddess, if you prefer, actually exists then in this world in this book. Is that right? I mean, we can. Yeah, I mean, we can if probably... magic can exist, then I think, yeah, there's possibility that some of the gods exist as well. And, you know, it depends on how the book is, is doing that. You know, do God exist, gods exist because people believe in them, or <laughs> do people exist because gods created them? Right. Right, right. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. Yep. Um,. All right, so yeah, so that was a a pretty cool scene, um, and one of the highlights of the episode, um, and and it is left ambiguous enough with maybe some foreshadowing uh, that we still don't know exactly what it will be, um, but yeah, let's let's talk about the post temple scene, um, and yeah, I mean. Well, now yeah. that now that um, the father approves, Matthew isn't scared anymore about 
marrying her in real life because rage, his father gives him confidence in 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 being a, a human, even with the or or witch, without even with the um the blood rage in his in his genes. Uh, what's your guys' yeah, thoughts on that? Can, can, he shows him he can control it by pushing him to the edge and trying to force him to tell him how he dies and he still holds on and won't tell him so that proves to him that he can he can control the blood rage and he also gives up asking but that yeah. he also gives up asking about it and isn't like when is it that Matthew confesses that it was him that ended up killing Philippe um, he talks about World War II. He got captured by the Nazis, you know, and the Nazis. Oh, yeah. Let's talk, let's That's talk, right let's after talk the fight that, when yeah. he and oh, okay. he's explaining the blood rage to Diana. Yeah. So, so now we, we understand why. One of the reasons why he doesn't want to tell his father how he dies. Um, and we find out that his father was a, was a, a war hero for the, for the Allies. Yeah. Right. He's helping people escape the Nazis. Yeah. Exactly. And what's interesting is that at the end of the uh, episode, but, at the end of the episode, he tells him that he forgives Matthew, and I think he has some inkling that Matthew was involved in his death. You just, I get that feeling. Yeah, yeah, he fixed it. He does figure it out. Yeah, that's what I do too. But before we get into that, let's talk about what happened. So, so he gets captured by the Nazis. Um during World War Two, and they discover that he's a vampire. I wish they did a flashback. That would have been awesome. Yeah, it would have. Um, and yeah, it would have been. Um, and then they show the Nazis are like, since you know, you know, the 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 rumor or joke, whatever you want to say about the Nazis, is that they they've been known to be into the occult. And so when they find a vampire, a live vampire, they decide to start experimenting on him, and. During the experimentation, just like uh, what you would think, he goes insane um, and is broken and all this other stuff. And so to save his father from the aftermath of being broken, destroyed, maybe even becoming blood rage himself. And, you know, basically he's, he can't control. He's not. In other words, he's not Philippe anymore. He's a zombie in a sense. Um Matthew kills Philippe probably with the the nod from his family too to put Philippe out of his misery from the existence that he was probably going to have after being destroyed as a a a being or human being or vampire being. Um, and according well, I, to Matthew, he's begging for it, begging. Yeah, to be and, and the mother, yeah, and Isabel couldn't do it, and so he did. So Matthew, so Matthew, pretty much will do it, and that's kind of that is part of the problem is that Matthew can't help to look at his father and think about all that and what he did, even though he knew the father, you know. Um, you know, was asking for it, literally. Um, you know, he wanted to be spared the pain. But then Matthew also mentioned that it was uh, witches that helped the Nazis in some of this. 
Yeah, and it makes sense. I, I mean, I, I mean, there was, you know, that's the thing is that there, no matter what what country these people were from, these witches were from, if they were from Germany, they were probably going to be fighting for the German side. Never mind, just the animosity between witches and and vampires, anyway. Uh, so it does make sense. Um, though, uh, you know, if there was a witch in England, I, I doubt they would be helping the Nazis, even though they hate vampires. Um, so, yeah, so, it, yeah, it, it's a tough thing. And, and you know, uh, everybody's had a family member that has been on hospice or something, and it's come to the point where the doctor says, do you want to take this individual off of life support? Um, and, and, and each sibling, you know, some siblings say, I can't do it, you have to do it. And so, you know, this is similar. Like Isabel says, I can't do it. And Matthew agrees to do it. Um, and, and yeah, so it's, it's a, a terrible thing um, when someone has to make that decision. Um, it's hard just for a pet, uh, let alone. Uh, yeah. Yeah, person. exactly. That, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I was, I was using hospice because that, that was something that happened in, in my family, one of my family members, but you're right. It's the same thing with a pet. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, your pet can't walk anymore or is blind or, or something and uh, can't control its bladder or, or whatever because it's old and, and whatnot. And, and sometimes, yeah, you, you have to make that decision. So it's, it's a terrible thing. And so it's always affected Matthew. Um, but he knew it had to be done and, and his father begged for it because of, of the, the terrible situation that, that he was in. Um, so, um, what else do we want to talk about with that stuff? The, the wedding, the, oh yeah. So let's talk about the, yeah. So they decide to consummate the relationship. Um, and, uh, do you think she gets pregnant? I'm not sure if she can or not the way they've talked about vampires, but that would be interesting. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, we really yeah. don't know. She doesn't. I mean, why would there be a prohibition against them having sex if they can get pregnant? <laughs> Seems kind of dumb. That's an excellent point, Barrett. Right, and, and yeah, exactly. I mean, we know demons and witches can 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 do it and, and have children, right? But we've seen that with the the person that gave her the chess piece, right? Yeah, well, two demons could have a witch baby, as we know they're going to have those two demons. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And then her parents were so, witches, and they had her, and she was a demon. So that's interesting. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, um, yeah, it'll be curious to see if she is pregnant, because I'm thinking that may be one of the, the reveals. We have four more episodes uh, of the season. And I, I wouldn't doubt that one of the cliffhangers could be she discovers that she's pregnant. Just a guess. But I, I can know. see it happening, yep, for sure. Um, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, so, so yeah, so this is at the end is when, when he, he tells Matthew that, yeah, I know why Isabel gave her the ring. It was to let me know that she gave the approval because at this point he he's knows that if he writes a note in a piece of paper and puts it in a hidden spot in a book, she'll find it in the future. 
And let's talk about that scene with with the the aunts, uh, Diana's aunts, and they 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 begin to feel something. And it's interesting too because every time he picks up to write, and he keeps on throwing it out, and he and, you know he, he he doesn't finish the letter until the end of the episode. The witches feel like there's going to be a, something here, something's happening, and. And uh, I guess that's okay because it's a because w- when time goes by in the past, it doesn't necessarily reflect timing going by in the present. Because if you you know it's quantum physics and all that, there is no time. Everything is in the same moment. It's just mm-hmm. things are happening through quantum or something. So. They it makes sense that their magic could probably feel something happened at any point, I guess. You know, you know what I'm saying? Because because what happens in the past doesn't necessarily correspond with a day in the present because there's no overlapping, right? Right. And there's also the idea of multiple timelines too, you know. So <laughs> That gets right, more interesting right. as well. Yeah, exactly. So either way, they, they're the ones that detect that Philippe is writing a, a note to Isabel for the future. And so Isabel immediately jumps on it because she knows what that means. Because she knows that during troubled times or any special times or whatever, Philippe always would write notes and put them in a hidden a spot in, in one of the books and those books are the same books that Diana was introduced to in 1590 there. So these books are like 500 years old books, 450 year old books, and they're still there today. So if Philippe put a note in one of those books in 1590, it'll still be there in 2021. And so she just has to search and find it. Yeah. It's a really cool scene. I just really like how they, how what's happening in the past is changing the future, at least from what we can tell here. Um, It's just really neat how the witches feel it. And then she finds the note and then reads it. And it's, that's another really emotional scene. It is, it is. It's actually, um, uh, a, a really good scene too, um, and and it, it's kind of poignant, like you said, or or it's not so many words, but you basically were basically saying that. Yeah. yeah uh, what did exactly. you think? Of, uh, what did you think about that scene, Kevin, and all that with the note and the, the multiple timelines, the quantum physics, the non-overlapping, all that stuff, and, and just the note itself, and 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 her finding it, and what what it said. Well, the note obviously was, you know, his last message to the woman he loved. And, you know, it was, you know, there was the parallel between what was going on in the past, between what was going on at that present time. But like you said, it was it was parallel universes. So that, you know, it's like, is something going to, you know, is is the note going to be there? Is it not? Is it going to be there? Is it not? So. Like whenever he wanted to write a note, they could feel, you know, they could feel it happening. But when he threw it away, it's like, no, 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 it's kind of gone away now. And then, you know, but 
you know, and then she just says, look, I want to, I want to continue searching because she kind of knew that there would be, of course, and at the end, when he finally writes the note, that's when she discovers it in the, in the present time. Right, right, because the whole episode, whenever they flash forward to the 2021 again, she's like freaking out. Where is it? Where is it? I know it's here. I know it's here. But when we go back to 1590, we find out he gave up writing a note because he didn't know what to write. And and it only pays off at the very end of the episode, which was kind of neat, I felt. Yeah. Um. Now, the note basically says that he understands that he has gone and that also it, it it says that he's accepted Diana as a Claremont. Right. Um, but but he says it obviously in a much warmer and and beautiful way. You know, it's not just I accept her. You know, he talks about how she's a wonderful woman and that Matthew's happy now and he's a different person than he was, you know, the day before, because, you know, so he's, he's not going to be the brooding worrisome person that he was, we've seen in the entire season up until this point. Now he's going to be uh, a much different person, probably more like her in a sense, but Diana, more like Diana, I think. Let's see. Anything else that we want to bring up or any, any comments on any of the stuff we've talked about so far? Um, I did like how he gave her the money and said the women in this family, you know, run their own purse strings. And then he gave her a necklace that he, so he'd always be with her. That was a touching moment as well. Yeah. It also shows how he just totally did a 180 on his position with her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, women take care of their own finances in this family, in the Claremont family is what he says, or something like that. And um, I like that a lot, too. For that time period, that's pretty amazing, so it's pretty cool. It is, it is, yeah. That's true. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, did, did, what did you guys think of them leaving? They're heading off to Bohemia now, so I, I was su- surprised, because I forgot all about that timeline and the reason why <laughs> they were heading over there in the first place. And and but yeah, so we're only going to be at um, the Claremont Estate for for just these two episodes, and that's it. Yeah, I loved the cinematography of the horses riding in the background and everything. It was just amazing cinematography during that that little period of them heading out. I thought it was really well done. It was. It was. It was. Uh, everything was really well done. Um, let's see. Anything else anybody want to bring up? Kevin? Anything? Nope. All right. Uh, Anybody? It was such a good episode and it was so tight and well done. You know, once you go over the scenes, there's not too much to talk about after that because they are so well done. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So I would concur. Um, anybody have any thoughts on the preview for episode seven? That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, it sounds like the guy who actually got the book was, was kind of on the insane side. 
So you're you're thinking they'll they'll be in Bohemia next episode then? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're not gonna they're gonna fast forward the the travel without having the show little episodic adventures on the travel. They're just gonna get them there pretty much right away. You think? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think they're sticking with the main plot instead of any. You know, I don't know what kind of side plots there were in the book, but. They're sticking to their 10 episodes and they're staying along the course that they've laid, which is good. They're not getting distracted. Um, so it's, I think it's going to give us a good payoff rather than, you know, empty plots that go nowhere. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I mean, when you only have so many episodes to to do the um, what is it what I'm talking about, the. Um, so many episodes to do an entire book, even though it's it's more than, than a two-hour movie, you still only have 10 episodes, and the episodes are generally around 45 to 50 minutes because of commercials, because I'm assuming they have commercials in the UK release, um, because you can see where... There, you know, it goes dark for a second and then it comes back. You figure that must have been a commercial break if we were watching it on Sky yeah. Network in the UK. Um, so, yeah, so they, I think you're right. I think they're just going to focus on important plot points of the book and, and, and keep it up without doing anything that, even if there's some decent items in the book that could be exciting, um, they're probably going to drop anything that isn't important to the main plot. Uh, so that makes sense. Um, all right. Uh, I guess that's that's pretty much it then. Uh, we got nothing else to say. Uh, so I guess we can uh, start wrapping up uh, the episode. This is, a, this is a short discussion today, which is kind of good. But um, before we give our final thoughts, a couple of things. Uh, once more, uh, a few folks that are listening to this podcast want to uh, email us. Uh, and let us know your thoughts on this episode or where they're going or whatnot. Um, or even email us and let us know the differences between the book and uh, the show. We would love to hear it. And again, we'll read your comments on uh, the podcast. Uh, also, if uh, anybody that's related to the show, uh, so Deborah Hockness or anyone else, Teresa Palmer, anybody that wants to uh, join the show for maybe a half hour to just discuss stuff. Uh, we would gladly uh, have you on board. Uh, I contacted Deborah Hawk just a couple of times to see if she'd jump on, but she uh, hadn't responded. Um, but uh, you never know. You never know. Um, and uh, the website is darkdiscussions.com. The podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found or listen directly off of uh, the darkdiscussions.com website. Um, so with all that, uh, let's give our final thoughts on this episode. So, uh, Kevin, why don't you start? Uh, like we said at the beginning, very good episode, good character development. And if anybody you know, and whoever is listening to this, please, we would really like to hear your input. Even if you just say, yeah, I agree, this is a great show, or at least tell us what we're doing right so we can keep on doing it right. Uh, if there's anything that we need to improve, if you can tell us that with some uh, some uh, resemblance of respect, we'd appreciate that too. But uh, I am enjoying the show, and I I look forward to the rest of them. 
Alright, sounds good. Yeah, for me, uh yeah, uh nothing's changed in what I said earlier, which it was uh at least my favorite episode so far of the entire series. Um but I do wanna um uh second what Kevin said, which is yeah, if there's anything that you uh wanna hear us talk about or improve, we'd always be glad to hear that. We'd also be glad to hear uh you just say thanks folks for doing a podcast, you know, because uh, just to know that you're out there. I mean, we do know that we have about 2,500 to 3,000 listeners. It's just that we don't know uh, who any of them are because of uh, uh, we haven't had any email or contacts. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, Kevin uh, made an excellent point there. Uh, Barrett. Yeah, my thoughts have not changed on this episode either. I, I still think it's probably the best episode of both seasons so far. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. And yes, again, send us emails with what we could do better, what you'd like to hear from us. Um, any of that stuff would be great. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so next week, uh, this one's going to, it's going to be directed by Farron Blackburn, uh, who is actually the, the same director who uh, directed the, the first episode of the season. Um, and, uh, it's being written by Joseph Wild. Um, so he's a British, uh, playwright, screenwriter, et cetera. Um, and for folks who are curious who Farron Blackburn is, he's, he's a British film and television director. Um, his work includes Netflix's young adult love story, The Innocents. Uh, the psychological thrower shut in starring Naomi Watts, as well as episodes of the Marvel Daredevil, Iron Fist, and the Defenders. Um, and that will be released on February 19th, uh, which will be uh, a Friday night. And then the 20th, it'll be in the U.S., uh, so the 19th in the U.K., the 20th in the U.S. Um, next week's episode, we're actually going to rec- start and uh, record it the regular night. So uh, we're going to record our thoughts uh, on the 21st and get the episode out on Monday the 22nd. Uh, the last two weeks, we've uh, pushed it back once because uh, the first time it was uh, the Super Bowl, which is uh, the big uh, football game in the United States. Uh, um, so uh, the, it was on during the time we would have usually recorded. So we recorded on Monday night and released Tuesday. And uh, this week, uh, Valentine's Day fell on, uh, St. Valentine's Day fell on Sunday the 14th. And so because of that, we pushed back recording tonight on February 15th, and we'll be releasing this episode February 16th, Tuesday. Uh, But next week, we will be once again releasing the episode on Monday, uh, Monday the 22nd. Uh, so, uh, that's pretty much it. So I guess with all that stated, uh, Kevin, why don't you lead us up? Thank you very much for letting us into your, uh, ears, uh, to listen to our take on this recent episode of discovery of witches. And if you would please be so kind to tune in next week, we'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm.